Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome into episode five of the Landscape Photography Show. Really excited about today's episode because I had the opportunity to talk with David Kingham while he did have some Wi-Fi reception as he travels across the country living that RV life and just experiencing nature every single day. David and I had a meaty discussion on a lot of different topics in landscape photography, and then we also got into one topic that I always find really interesting, and that is like your personality type as a landscape photographer, introverted, extroverted, how that affects you as a landscape photographer, and just getting into some more personal things about landscape photography and and always your drive and experience in creating photos. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. David Kingham on the podcast today. First of all, David, I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast. I know we've talked previously uh, a couple times, so I just want to say hey again. And and I I wanted to know, like, we talked a little bit about it before we started recording. Where are you right now? Kind of what's your plan for the rest of 2019? Because I know you're living kind of the nomadic life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for having me again. I just looked back and it's been three years since we last talked. So it's, it's been, been a minute. Yeah. yeah. Far too long. Um, so yeah, we're in uh, Southern Colorado right now, actually staying up on our land near Ridgeway that we bought exactly last year. So it's been nice to have our own spot to stay. Um, so we're just down here for the fall colors and things are happening pretty late this year, but we're just, you know, hanging out, waiting to see what happens. And then uh, we're headed out to Mammoth, California next uh, couple weeks. Uh, Jennifer's actually doing a seminar there in the, the Mammoth Photo Festival. And when you say so Jennifer, then, you're talking about your girlfriend, Jennifer Renwick. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and we're uh, going to do probably Yosemite in the Eastern Sierra after that for the fall colors. And then we'll be hitting Zion for the fall colors. And then we'll be in Death Valley for the most of the winter. Nice. Now, nomadic lifestyle is a little bit different. I kind of lived it a little while for about two Mm -hmm. years. I lived in a tiny house with my wife and loved it. But I've also stayed in uh, trailers, campers. You know, I've stayed in some pretty weird stuff and wasn't exactly a fan. Yeah. What is the reality of <laughs> nomadic life and photography? Uh, there's lots of different realities to it. Um, you know, I started out my nomadic journey like five years ago. And I started out living in a tent and just a forerunner. And then I moved up to a van and then finally moved up to an RV. I guess it's been a few years back. So we just have like a travel trailer and it's pretty luxurious compared to the way I lived before. Uh, but it's, it's still a challenge, you know, it's, it's not as luxurious as everyone thinks it is. There's a lot of trials and tribulations involved with it, but it's, it's overall, it's really fun and enjoyable, uh, but it's just, it's not for everyone. <laughs> when Jennifer came on board, did you have to like upgrade some stuff? 
Um, well, I was still in the van when okay. she came along, so yeah, I had to upgrade <laughs> to a trailer. <laughs> I could, and we we also have two cats, okay. so you can't do that in a van. Yeah, I could only hear like my wife of. I don't know half the half the places I always tell her like where I'm staying. She's always like, no, I could never. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We still argue over that sometimes about if I want to boondock somewhere, that's maybe a little bit sketchy and she doesn't like it so much. So I have to compromise and go to some more campgrounds at times. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I looked through your images and I was actually just looking through them before we jumped on the podcast and you have a very good style, but I wanted to know, like we've talked about in the past going out and shooting, and I want to get into that a little bit later, yeah. but I wanted to start off with when you start your post-processing and that workflow, what, what, what is your goal in mind when you start that process? Um, I don't necessarily have a goal in mind initially. I think it evolves as I'm working on the image. And I just uh, try different things to see what kind of different looks I can get out of an image, um, whether it's you know something really high contrast and dramatic, or if I want to take it to a more high key, soft feel. Um, so it it just kind of evolves as I'm going along with it. I don't necessarily know even when I'm taking the photo. I'm just more focused on the patterns and textures and what the feelings that evoke things like that when i'm actually taking the photo and then in post you know i'll further refine that vision of what i want to create from it when you're when you're talking about evoking feeling in the field when when you're photographing something mm -hmm. how does that impact a photograph because a lot of people go into photography with the technical mindset of settings mm -hmm. and and getting all of that right in the field but on the flip side how does the emotional uh aspect of it come into play i think that's super important and i think it's something that people don't put enough focus on um because i think once you put yourself into the image then people really connect with it and when you start focusing less on the technical bits and, you know, once the, th once the camera actually becomes like a, like a secondary limb to you almost to where you don't think about what you're shooting or you don't think about the technical things about what you're shooting. Instead, you just are free to just look at the scene and what it feels to you and things like that. So it's, it's kind of hard to explain. Is, is it something you can teach? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's really hard to teach, but uh, we definitely try to do that in our workshops. Um, you know, it's it's really hard to get that across to somebody. So it it takes it, sometimes it takes multiple sessions with someone to really get them to understand that, because sometimes when they first come in, they're just they're so focused on the technical things that they can't think about anything else and they just get stuck on that and they don't, they can't, you know, look at the emotional aspect of it or, um, or even just, you know, the composition. Um, but eventually they get over that and then they, they start realizing that there's a lot more to it and then they can start to see things a lot more for themselves. 
when did that click for you? Mm, good question. I'm not sure if there was one defining moment. I think it's just evolved over the years and little by little I've chipped away at it and started to find my, my own vision. And I think that's something people need to really be aware of is that it doesn't happen overnight. These things take a lot of time to evolve and it's, you know, going back to the old 10,000 hours thing where you need to practice over and over and over again before you get good at something. And it takes a lot of time. I've, I've been at it for, I think about 10 years and I feel like I'm starting to finally get it. So <laughs> it just, it doesn't happen overnight for some few special people. It might, but for the vast majority, it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of time. When you say you're first starting to get it, what, what are the moments when creativity is a challenge and how do you get beyond those, those things? Um, I would say creativity is a challenge all the time. Okay. <laughs> um, I think there's just times it's, it's a little bit more of a struggle and really the only way to get through that is just to keep working. Um, you just got to keep shooting all the time. And I, I think that's where a lot of people struggle is they, they take breaks. Um, they might, you know, take a break from photography for a year, or six months or something. And then you start to forget all the technical things and you're stuck in that loop of not being able to focus on the creativity. So I, I think it, I know, it takes a lot of time to or you got to spend a lot of time to get through that and just keep working at it. Yeah. I think how you described it is, is getting stuck in a loop it is yeah. perfect. You get stuck in a cyclical process of trying to break through, create creative issues, and then going back to the drawing board. Mm -hmm. I would say even for people who struggle with creativity is going to a different genre of photography when you're struggling mm -hmm. with that, even, you know, black and white time-lapse different things you can do that will help you think more creatively about like your main type of photography. I mean, is there a main type of photography though? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Um, one thing I like to relate it to is music mm. because I, I play guitar myself and, um, I, I'm okay at it. I've been playing since well, probably about 20 years and it's something that I enjoy doing, but I never enjoyed it enough to take it to the next level and actually mm -hmm. spend the vast amount of time that's needed to get really, really good at it. I'm just okay at it. I don't understand the theory of it. I can't be creative with it myself. I'm I'm just stuck at that point where I do cover songs mm -hmm. and that's really all I can do on guitar because I, I haven't passed that point of technical proficiency where I can just have, you know, pure fun with it and just start creating my own stuff because I, I just haven't passed that point yet. And same thing applies to photography. If you're, you know, if you're not doing that and spending that amount of time, you'll never get past that point to where you can just have that pure fun and joy and creativity with it. 
your go-to cover song on the guitar is what? <laughs> oh, geez. Um, I don't think I have a go-to one. I, I just, uh, I have an app with the, all my, uh, chords and stuff. And I just pick something at random. <laughs> you gotta have one that that's above the others though. Gosh, I don't know. I actually haven't played for probably close to a year. So I, I'm not good at that right now. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask you to shred something for me, but not going to happen, I guess. Uh, no, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> well, in photography, like one of the biggest community platforms, if you want to call it that, that I see is uh, the Nature Photographers Network, which you helped mm -hmm. design, correct? Well, n not not necessarily um it started back in 2000 so it's okay. been around for a long time and i it's been in a you know it, it's hit its peak around I, I think it was like 2007 or 9 or something like that and it went in a slow decline as photography came or mm -hmm. sorry as social media came along and um it it just didn't get updated with the technology so it it just started fading away. And then, um, for the last few years, I've been thinking I wanted to bring something back like NPN cause it was an amazing resource. I absolutely loved it when it was in its prime. So I started thinking about the idea over the years and last year I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to do this cause I was waiting for someone else to do it and it just wasn't happening. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it myself. And so I started thinking about how I'm going to achieve this. And I started thinking about ways I could create my own site, um, that would essentially compete with it. Uh, and then I finally decided I'm just going to reach out to Jim, who was the owner and see if he wants to sell it. And sure enough, he was, it was just the right time. And, um, he was looking for the right person that had the same passion that he had for it. And he was ready to do it. So last year, um, I bought it and I totally revamped it. Um, scrapped the old site entirely. Um, it's still available, but I started from scratch to get everything up to current technology and, uh, just built a whole new platform that's designed from the ground up. And it's been a huge success. We've been operating it for um, we actually just had our one year anniversary a couple weeks ago. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of work. Um, it's, <laughs> it's been a labor of love for sure. Um, if I, if I wasn't so passionate about it, I wouldn't be keeping this up cause it's definitely not worth it monetarily for me. <laughs> if, yeah, I mean, so many things in business are kind of like that. Yeah. If somebody's visiting the site for the first time, not only what are they going to find, but also what are they going to be able to use that's going to help them in their own photography? Um, so the, the site's really dedicated. Well, it's the Nature Photographers Network. So it's dedicated to nature photography in all forms, whether it's landscape or macro avian um, uh, wildlife. Um, but it's really dedicated to creative photography. So it's not a place where you'll find a lot of iconic shots, 
um, because it's really focused on finding your own creative vision. So not that there's anything wrong with shooting the icons and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's not what we're focused on. Um, so there's the biggest part of it that everyone loves is that there's a discussion forum where we have image critiques, and that's that's really the core of NPN and what it's been about all these years is that we have a place where people can go to post their photos to get really, it's brutally honest um, critiques, but it's done in a very kind way to where you don't feel like your photos are complete crap. Mm -hmm. You feel like, oh, okay, I have things I can improve on. And these people gave me some really specific things that I can work on. And it's just a really powerful place to extend your creative vision and figure out ways that you can move forward. I would say it's almost like the photographer's version of Reddit. Um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Without like people trolling you and, and stuff like that. Right, right. <laughs> That's one thing we really focus on is keeping the trolls away. Exactly. I, I would <laughs> argue too, critiques and, and getting feedback that is brutally honest and that Mm -hmm. is going to tell you what you need to improve on in a structured way and and a way that's not going to beat you down, but that's going to help you get energized about what you can improve on is Mm -hmm. probably one of the most important things that somebody can do when they're starting out or trying to develop their own style or, or trying to break through something. Yeah, I would agree with that because sometimes you're completely blind to what you might be doing. I can't say that you're doing something wrong, but, um, that you might be able to improve on and giving critiques is an art form in itself. And it's, it's really hard to find people that are good critiquers. And we're lucky that we have a lot of people that are really, really good at it. And they know how to be really gentle while being really brutally honest at the same time. Who, who are some of the people that are critiquing on there right now? Um, they might not be names that you know, mm-hmm. but they're, they've been moderators with NPN for a long time. Um, you know, there's, uh, Keith Bauer, um, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a good name right off the bat. He might not be somebody that everybody knows, but he's a good one. Yeah. So um, there's some bigger names that also help out um, occasionally, like Alex Noriega or TJ Thorne, or um, we have some contributors that also will give critiques here and there. Um, they're They're pretty busy people with trying to make a, career in photography themselves. So they, they can't do it constantly. Um, but they do pop in occasionally and help people out. Hey guys, real quick. I want to talk about today's sponsor for this podcast. That's visualwilderness.com. You can go to visualwilderness.com and get any of my courses on landscape photography post-processing for a limited time of 33% off. You can use the code David33 during checkout. You can also get memberships to that site because there's tons of photographers who contribute, who make these video courses to help you be a better photographer. 
for information on where you can get a membership to that for a great value, you can go to today's show notes. Those will be found at davidjohnstonart.com forward slash David K. But now let's get back to my discussion with David Kingham. How has that shifted your photography goals or business differently since basically like kind of being the lead person on NPN, uh, you know, it's got to make sort of an impact on time, sort of an impact on effort in one direction or the other. Yeah, it, it's certainly been a challenge balancing my time with it. Um, cause it, it has taken a lot of effort. Um, initially in the beginning it was it was a vast amount of effort i mean it was it was what i worked on 12 hours a day for months and i didn't have time off um and i think my my other business for workshops and whatnot ebooks and things like that suffered because of that so it was it did put us through a hard time because of that um but more recently it's gotten a bit easier because the Um, technically things are running really smooth now and we've got great moderators that, um, take care of a lot of the day-to-day stuff. So I don't have to be there, be on there constantly monitoring every little thing that's going on. They take care of the bulk of that. So I just continue to work on improvements and, um, I have to work with contributors to get new articles, things like that. And, um, setting up different things like we did a an Ask Me Anything with Sean Bagshaw a few weeks ago. So coordinating that with Sean, things like that. Um, it does take some time, but it's a lot less than it used to be. So I'm getting back to um, putting more focus on our core business. And it's we'll hopefully recover from <laughs> that time I had to spend. Yeah. And I would say too, when something starts to take on steam and it's Mm -hmm. something that a lot of photographers believe in, you'll see that it's going to be a success because of the community of photographers who really jump on that and want to join in the effort. So I, I mean, I've seen that with NPN and how many people are jumping into that. Would you kind of echo that too? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, we've grown the membership, I think three times over since we took it over Mm. and, um, NPN's always been about the community. It's been about meeting new friends and even meeting up in person. And yeah, it's just, that's always what it's been about. And it continues to grow and people are getting more excited about it every day. So we're continuing to see the membership grow and it's, it's really exciting to see this. I think, the community of landscape photographers or nature photographers or whatever you want to dub the, the genre that we shoot is the strongest. And I've, I've told my wife this meeting up with people who I've met via like Instagram DMS is I think the community of landscape photographers is the one community that you can go out and go shoot with somebody and not be concerned that they're going to like kill you in the woods. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm sure it happens from time to time, but (laughs) not, I mean, maybe (laughs) no, it's, it, it is very cool. And I've, 
I like pretty much all of my friends now I've met either through Flickr or a vast majority were through NPN back in the day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we used to have all sorts of meetups, um, shindigs, things like that. And I would go meet up with other photographers in the field and go shooting with them. And it's, you know, I learned so much from meeting those people and it's, made me more confident about my photography and starting a business and things like that. So it's, it's so cool to have that community aspect. And that's, that's really why I wanted to bring it back because I saw that the community aspect was missing in social media. Um, it was, you know, just a bunch of people sharing photos and saying, good job, buddy. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the end of it. Um, I think, there was some of that aspect on Instagram because a lot of people do meet up through Instagram. So that's, that's cool that that still happens. Um, but it's usually just one-on-one. -on -one. It's not like a, a group thing where you get to meet a bunch of people and, um, hang out all the time. On your about me page, it says David started his full-time travels in 2014 to travel the country, spend time in the places he loves and to find purpose in the world throughout your time since 2014 when you started mm -hmm. full-time traveling and and i'm assuming full-time shooting in the same year what purpose have you found and what are some of the ways that it's led you there mm, man that's a deep question so deep. <laughs> <laughs> oh um I don't know. I think, uh, I haven't really given that a whole lot of thought is the, the actual purpose. I mean, everyone, that's the ex existential question, right? What is your purpose on this world? It's gotta be deeper um, than taking pretty pictures and just traveling around. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that part of it, it's like, that's just fun for me. Um, but I don't think that provides any much value to anyone. I think, you know, sharing my photos with others, um, it's, I think it provides some emotional outlets. Um, I know people have told me they've been inspired by my photos. I don't, you know, I don't see that myself, but, um, yeah, I think <laughs> if it helps someone get through a hard time because they find beauty in that or they find some sort of emotional connection with it i mean that's that's awesome and when people tell me that it's it's hard to believe but it's yeah it's really a great feeling to know that i've achieved that that i can actually you know portray some emotion through my photos and they can interpret it in their own way um and then beyond that with you know with npn is bringing the community together um, I think that's, that's been really great and just really fulfilling to, you know, feel like I'm bringing this group together and, you know, helping other people find some purpose in their photography and, um, helping them, I don't know, find their creative vision. So I guess that's <laughs> the best I can explain it without giving it more thought. When you started in, in 2014, was your vision for how this was going to go different than what it is right now? Um, yeah, I don't think I had a particular vision 
um, at that time. I was just trying to figure things out. You know, I, I was pretty lost at that moment in time mm -hmm. and I really didn't know where I was going. I searched through a lot of avenues and, um, eventually just kind of found things on my own. Um, I think nature really helps you find that path. Um, just when you spend some time alone out in nature and, um, really absorb yourself in it, I think it just kind of naturally comes to you. Um, as long as you are really focused on that and not, <laughs> not so much the outside world. Um, yeah, it's hard thing to explain, but yeah, we've talked about emotional connection to your work, to your images. We've talked about purpose. Do you think maybe your personality type has a lot to do with that? Cause not everybody can go out in, in 2014 when, when maybe, you know, going out and living in an RV or, or living in a van and, mm -hmm. and a tent was a very popular thing. Now you have influencers, mm -hmm. whether it's real or not showing their images of doing that. Right. Um, does it take a certain personality type to tackle that? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, it, it depends how you do it. Of course, mm -hmm. a lot of people, um, they don't do it as much as like a, a solo quest. They have a lot, there's a lot of community now in the RV community, mm -hmm. um, that have a lot of meetups and convergences and things like this. So they don't have to feel alone. Um, but the way I did it, I went out with intention to be pretty much alone most of the time. And, um, I don't know. I think, yeah, just part of my personality is I'm very much an introvert and that's how I recharge my batteries is just being alone and sitting quiet and, um, especially being alone in nature. So, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it definitely wasn't the cool thing to do back then. It was just starting to pick up things have changed a lot since then. And now it's just the cool thing to do. Um, uh, but you know, hopefully those people are finding themselves too through their journeys. Um, but I think a lot of people take a different path to where they're not, um, going out on their, on their own and they're just, you know, it's just kind of traveling for the fun of it and, you know, hanging out with friends all the time. So it's, I don't know, it's just different journeys. I think introverts actually become better photographers than extroverts. And I would love to see any article written on it. But <laughs> to me, it seems like, and I, I'm the same way I could spend a week in a, a tiny office, you know, and not speak to another person or spend a week out right. in nature and not sp speak to another person and be just happy. Yeah. But <laughs> to me, it seems like personality types have a huge impact, whether that's introverted, extroverted, because introverts seem to have more of the ability to spend that time in a quiet place and observe mm -hmm. everything going on around them. Yeah. I mean, the vast, vast majority of the really good um, landscape photographers that I know are very, very introverted. Um, some of them, you know, they, they may not seem that way on the surface because they have to put themselves out there, you know, doing conferences and podcasts and things. 
but when you get to know them, you realize, oh, they're very introverted and they very much want to be alone most of the time. So yeah, there's very few extroverted photographers that I know. And it's almost a paradox from what we were just talking about because we're introverted, mm -hmm. but at the same time, the community of landscape photographers is so strong. Right. <laughs> it's kind of this weird element. Yeah. Um, I think there, yeah, there needs to be a community for everything you do. Um, you know, you can't do everything in a silo. Um, I think having that, that group of people, you know, it's always been integral to human existence. So yeah, just creating these little pockets of things that we share in common and then, you know, making these groups that can share those things together is very important. So yeah, I don't. <laughs> now I wanted to ask you this question because you and Jennifer both do a lot of workshops, um, in the recent years have you seen any changes in workshops being sign-up rates, uh, locations, needs from people or wants from people who are signing up for workshops? Um, that's hard to say. It fluctuates all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is, there are a vast number of people leading workshops now, so it's incredibly I don't want to say competitive, but it is, um, you know, we, you really have to find your niche of rather than, you know, it's not the same as it used to be where you could just, you know, say you're leading a workshop and take people out to places and teach them a few things. Mm -hmm. You really need to find a specific niche for things that people want to learn from you. Um, yeah, locations are important, but, um, it really depends on what you focus on. We're starting to focus more on, um, helping people find their vision and, um, uh, focusing on small things or small scenes, um, things like that, so which are a lot less location dependent. Um, so yeah, it's hard. It's, um, I think signups in general, in general have been slow in the past couple of years. Um, I, it's really hard to say what's causing that. It could be people waiting to see what happens with the economy. Um, I think people are really uneasy about the economy right now and feel like it's artificially inflated and, you know, maybe it could crash at any time, but, um, we still sell out most of our workshops. So we're still doing a pretty good job of attracting those people that want to learn from us. And, um, I think we kind of have our unique niche and we're just keep plotting away and, um, just keep pleasing our clients. So they keep coming back. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a challenging time for sure. It's different to photograph and, and focus more on the small scenes in a workshop setting. Mm -hmm. If you're going to something like death Valley that has great small scenes for sure, but also has some grand scenes that you can photograph. Mm -hmm. What are people's reactions when, you know, you have this amazing scene in front of you, but then you tell everybody to tilt their cameras down, you know, two feet uh -huh. below the lens to the ground. <laughs> um, 
I found with, with most of our workshops, um, we focus on both. So a lot of people will shoot the grand scene first and then focus on the smaller scenes. Um, and some people will just do one or the other. Um, but we're starting to do some more workshops. We've partnered with Sarah Marino where we're doing, we're doing two workshops next year where we're just completely focused on small scenes and it'll, I think coming in with the expectation that it's just focused on small scenes will be good for those because people know what they're coming in for. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have noticed on some of our normal workshops is I encourage people to shoot these different type of scenes and they're very reluctant at first because there's so much grandness around you mm -hmm. that, you know, why would I focus on this little thing when I have this mountain and field of flowers over here? Um, but then come to turn out afterwards, after they process their photos, they come back to me and they send me, send me some of their finished images and said, I can't believe it, but my favorite image is this little scene of ripples in the water that you helped me create. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, the vast scenes are great, but I really have a connection to this one and I love it and I can't wait to create more. And I feel so inspired now. So it's really cool to see that switch flip in their mind. So it, it might not happen immediately on the workshop, but <laughs> afterwards they might, they finally see it and then they're excited about it for the future. Mm -hmm. And it's almost a progression when you get into a location like that. Like my first time being in death Valley, I was almost overwhelmed at how much mm -hmm. there was to photograph and big scenes yeah. and taking my, you know, a wide angle lens out and doing the basic stuff I would do say back home in Tennessee with, with the smoky mountains, mm -hmm. but little by little, you chip away at that feeling of being overwhelmed and you find yourself seeing the smaller details and seeing the smaller scenes within the grand yeah. landscape. It does take some time to overcome that because it does, it overwhelms you completely at first. I mean, my first visit to death Valley, I was completely overwhelmed. I mean, it's a vast giant park mm -hmm. and there's, it's so much variety. There's so many different things to shoot. And I still come there year after year and find new things. So it's, it's an exciting place to go to. Um, but yeah, helping, helping those people find that is, is a challenge. Um, cause they're in that same overwhelmed state. So we have to kind of calm them down and show them different things that they can shoot to give them po different possibilities. Um, so when you open up their mind to seeing those different things, then, you know, they start to see it and they, they start to break down that wall of, well, I can only shoot this grand scene. And so it, it takes some time to chip away that for them. Which now comes full circle back to having an emotional connection to your images. Right. David, what do you have coming up in the remainder of this year in 2019, what do you have coming up in 2020 as well? Um, so we've got a, a workshop in death Valley, um, in December, um, that one's sold out. Um, but after that we have one in January that's, um, actually in death Valley, but we, we do a backcountry one where we take people in Jeeps to really far out places in the park that are just incredibly beautiful that 
most people will never get to see because they're not comfortable going to those places that are hours from civilization themselves. Um, so we're really excited about that one. It's a lot of fun and we really get to focus on creativity on that one. And, um, we've got a couple more in death Valley until February. And then, um, we've got one more in Anza Borrego in Southern California that's in March. Um, so those, yeah, those are the things that are coming up that actually have some open spots to them. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really enjoyed it. Sure. Yeah. It's good to, good to be back, man.